Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, church. It's so great to be with you this morning again on our online service. I really hope that you had a wonderful week um, and that you're looking forward to having even a better week this coming um, week that we're about to enter. And um, today we're going to continue with our series on prayer. But before we continue, I really just want to remind us that we have started our face-to-face services already. So we started last week and we're continuing. Um, So if you're watching this online, I just want to let you know that we are on face-to-face services have resumed. Uh, So please do try your best to come to any of our services, 8.30, 10.30, or even 6 p.m., Um, just to have that time of fellowship again. It will be just so awesome to to see some of the people that we haven't seen in quite some time and just to have that that connection, a spiritual family again. So I really want to encourage you and come early because, remember, only a limited number of people can come in. So it's so first come, first serve. Awesome. Amen. So this morning we are continuing with the series we started last week, Saturday, which is um, called the life of prayer. And we've really just uh, speak, we're just speaking about prayer, coming back to that place where we're praying as a church, coming back to that place where we're prioritizing prayer in our lives. And last week, Pastor Chris kicked off by looking at prayer as a place of fellowship and just reminding us again that from the beginning, prayer was a tool that God had given us to commune with him and to have fellowship with him. It wasn't meant to, to be this thing we do when we, are, when we have needs, you know. It was, it was that, that place of fellowshipping, walking with God, speaking to Him, communing with Him, and just building relationship with Him. And he also um, emphasized the fact that we can freely uh, speak to the Father, come to the Father through Jesus Christ and what He's done on the cross, and that we shouldn't be afraid to approach God boldly and, and, and speak to Him Um, directly through the name of Jesus concerning things in our lives and things that we're thinking about and really just have that a sweet fellowship with our Lord. And so today we're going to continue and we're going to look at prayer as a change agent. Yeah, Last week we looked at prayer as a place of fellowship. Today we're going to look at prayer as a change agent. And what I want to say even before we pray is that uh, we pray for the message is that um, There's a time to pray, to commune with God, to connect with him, to be in that place of fellowship. But then there's a time to pray. And and this is when we're praying heaven down, to pray for things to happen here on earth. And one of the things that we need to remember is that God has given us prayer as a tool, as a weapon here on earth to actually extend his kingdom and to usher in the things of the kingdom. So we need to know that prayer is a very, very, very powerful weapon in the life of a Christian. In fact, it's so powerful that Satan is always trying to convince us that we don't really need to pray, that he wants to make us look warm. You will find that every time you need to do stuff, you, you would want to do anything all over in the house except when it comes to praying and reading the word. That is when a lot of the times people struggle. I can't get to the prayer meeting or I'm just struggling to pray. Why? Because prayer is a tool in the hands of a Christian. And Satan does not want us to use 
this powerful tool, this weapon that God has given us. So today we're going to look at what does it look like to use prayer as an agent of change and, and how can we engage in prayer more to see God actually changing things here on earth and for us to see, um, to see a, a shift, whether it's in our own personal lives, whether it's in our families, whether it's in our nations, and, uh, and just to see God moving beyond what we really expected. And so before we start, I really want us to open up in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you that your word is living and active and you want to minister to our spirits this morning. You want to minister to us, oh Father God. You want to strengthen us in prayer, Father God. And therefore I pray, Lord Jesus, that that as your word goes out, oh Father, it will stir our hearts. It will bring back a passion for prayer and praying according to your will and your purposes, oh Father God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for that. Amen. Amen. If you, can you please just turn with me in your Bibles in Acts 12, verse 5 to 11. That's going to be our key scripture for today's message. Acts 12, verse 5 to 11. And it reads as follows. So Peter was kept in prison. But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you, around you and follow me. The angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. So what's happening here? Um, in this passage, we see how King Herod actually um, seized Peter and, and, and imprisoned him. This is a time of great persecution among the Christians. The church was just birthed and it's starting to grow. The gospel of Jesus is going all over. People are giving their lives to the Lord. They're, they're being converted. The Jewish uh, people are learning about the Messiah. They're also being converted and people are coming to the Lord in masses. But this was not pleasing to the Jews and 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 and. And, it, and, and, and those who, who believed differently. So Christians were actually being persecuted for their faith. They were being, they were being uh, uh, imprisoned and they were being killed. And, 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 and what's interesting is even King Herod saw that this is something that he could participate in because he saw that it pleased the Jews for him to do this. And at this point, he, he took Peter and he imprisoned Peter. And and, and the church was earnestly praying for Peter because we need to understand that Peter was a pillar in the early church. This is the man that when the Holy Spirit came, he stood up and he started preaching. You know, he was preaching boldly that this Jesus 
whom you crucified is both Lord and Savior. And now he's being imprisoned for the faith that not only he has, but the fact that he's going out and preaching the gospel. And, and we need to remember that this is actually the work of the enemy. The, um, the word of God says in Ephesians 6 verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So here we've got Satan using a king to push back the, the, the light of God that is coming through the gospel. He's pushing it back by instilling fear in people, by seizing the Lord's apostles and making sure that they don't continue to preach. And, 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 and so as a result, um, when, when the word of God is not going out, when, when the things of God are not being released, Satan has more power because then darkness will prevail. So this was a time where the, this is a desperate situation for the, for the Christians in the early church. It's a very desperate situation as they know they need to go out and preach the gospel, but at the same time, there are all these powers of wickedness that are trying to push them back, that are trying to discourage them, and that are trying to fight against this gospel. And so we see Peter ends up in prison. He ends up in prison, but it says that the church was earnestly praying for him. Yeah? And in the same scripture, in Ephesians 6 verse 12, where Paul is saying we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but we're wrestling against rulers, authorities, and powers, and all these spiritual forces of, um, in the heavenly places and, and, and powers of wickedness. In the same verse, after he explains about us having to put on the armor, he goes on to say in verse um, in verse 18 to 20, he says, then pray in the spirit at all times with every kind of prayer and petition. To this end, stay alert with all perseverance in your prayers for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will boldly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it fearlessly as I should. Okay. The only way we can push back these forces of darkness is through prayer. The only way, when we find ourselves in a desperate situation, in a place where we are looking and we're thinking it looks so dark, because in this moment for Peter and, and the early church, it is a dark moment because he is in prison, he is chained down, and Herod has him uh, waiting for a time to get a trial. But in that trial, it's, it's, a, it's almost certain that he is going to die. There's no way he will be proven innocent. It is a desperate, a life-threatening situation that Peter finds himself in here. And sometimes we find ourselves in situations like that. We find ourselves or we, uh, we have friends that, have, that are in such desperate situations or even our nations uh, that, that, that come in places where it's, it's, it's just so dangerous and so dark for a nation. It's, it's threatening people's lives and it's threatening the future. We need to understand that God does not want darkness to prevail, but he wants his light to prevail. And we need to push through and we need to pray through so that the light will prevail. And here we see it. We see that in this moment of desperation, where Peter finds himself in a desperate, life-threatening situation, the church is earnestly praying for him, okay? The church is earnestly praying. So the first thing we see in this passage 
is that there's a life-threatening situation, a desperate situation. But the second thing we see is that the church is earnestly praying. And what does that look like? What does it look like for a church to be earnestly praying? We need to remember that when the apostles asked Jesus, they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Master, teach us how to pray. Um, he taught them what we call today the Lord's Prayer. And in that prayer, there are about four things that Jesus really focused on. He, he, he focused that prayer to uh, the, the things that come out of that, um, that we should understand that Jesus put emphasis on is, first of all, the kingdom of God to be ushered in. He said, your will be done. Your, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He, he, he taught us to pray that we see what is in heaven being manifested here on earth. On earth as it is in heaven. The will of God to prevail on earth as it is in heaven. And then the second thing he emphasized was provision. Where he said, give us this day our daily bread. Let us pray for provision. Let us trust God for provision. And, 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 and these are things that Jesus was speaking, which are things that are on the Father's heart. The next thing is God's protection. He said, deliver us from temptation. And, 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 and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Yeah? To pray prayer that, speaks of, uh, that, that, that allows God to protect us and watch over us, that we will not enter into temptation. And the third thing that he emphasized was the forgiveness of sins. Forgive us today our trespasses as we forgive those who, 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 who trespass against us. These are points that Jesus mentioned in the prayer. And if Jesus mentioned something, we need to understand it's because it's important. It's because that is what is on God's heart for his people. And so here we see that the church is earnestly praying for Peter because they know it's God's heart for Peter to be protected to be covered and to actually come out of prison. It is not God's will for his children to be, to be killed, to be persecuted, and, 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 and to be um, pushed to and fro. So the church is earnestly praying for Peter. They're praying and trusting God for the release of Peter. They're praying and trusting God for a miracle to happen so that Peter will not go to trial because if he does, he is for surely a dead man. And, and, and so when we pray, we need to pray according to the will of the Father. Yeah? And then we see things shift the way God intended them to be. So here's a church that's earnestly praying. And when I, when, when I saw that, that word earnestly, I was just thinking about what does it look like to pray earnestly, you know? Because uh, sometimes when we pray, we we, we are like, yeah, I'm praying because I know, I know I need to pray, but I'm just kind of praying. But earnest prayer is serious prayer. And I want to read the scripture, scripture in James 5, verse 17 to 18, where it says, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth yielded its crop. James was referring to 1 Kings verse 18 where Elijah prayed to God. First, he, earlier in the, he prayed to God and, and he pronounced that there will be no rain in the land except by my word because he wanted to show that God is real and these people need to repent and they need to understand that the God that we serve is a real God. 
And then he said, um, it will only rain if he says it rain. Huh? So now we have in, in 1 King 18, verse 41 to 44, we have Elijah who just won the contest of the gods <laughs> where he was having a competition between the, the, the prophets of Baal and, and he himself to, to prove who is the one true God where they had to pray fire down from heaven. And he's here and he prayed fire down from heaven and his altar was consumed by fire. The father came and consumed his altar and everybody knew it was God. While the, the prophets of Baal, Baal had been trying all night, crying out to their gods and whatever for something to happen and nothing happened. And now, after the, he won this contest, he says, no, I, I, I hear the smell. Oh, I, can, I can smell rain. You know? I hear the sound of rain. I smell rain. And, and, and the skies are as blue as can be. So he now thinks, now in his heart, he feels like it is time for him to, to cry out for rain because the drought is so bad over the land. And what does he do? He climbs the mountain with his servant and he starts praying for rain. And the interesting thing is that the word of God says that he actually bowed down and put his head between his knees and prayed in that position. Yeah. And one would think that the man that called fire down from heaven would pray and then it would start raining, but he didn't. He sent his servant to go look and the servant came back and said, uh-uh, there's no sign of rain, I don't see anything. And then he did it again. And guess what? The Bible says he did this seven times. Seven times he prayed. He sent his servant to go look. And the servant will come back and say, no, I don't see anything. Go back and look. No, I don't see anything. Go back and look. No. Until the last time, that seventh time, the servant comes back and says, I see a cloud ri arising from the sea that is as, as big as a man's hand. No? That is quite a small cloud. When you're expecting rain, you want to see a big cloud. Huh? But this small cloud after seven times starts rising. And then after that, the rain starts. The, the, the sky starts getting dark and everything, and it starts raining. But the point that I really want to bring across here is that it took Elijah some time to actually pray for that rain to come. That is what earnest prayer is. You know, with us, sometimes when we pray, we are expecting quick re results, you know? Microwave prayers. When I pray, something must happen immediately. If it didn't happen, oh, God is not hearing my prayers. I'm so disappointed. We pray for like five minutes. We pray for 10 minutes. We pray for 30 minutes, and then we expect change. But guess what? Sometimes we need to pray longer than that, yeah? Sometimes it takes longer then just a one-hour prayer meeting for us to see what we're really trusting God to see. I love watching um, people that move in, in, in the miraculous, you know, miracle signs and wonders. And, you know, a lot of the times you see, oh, they say, oh, this is happening. I see your back is being healed. And, and we think, oh, man, things are happening. But before that, that meeting, they've, got, they've been praying. They have intercessors praying. And, and not only that, but they've probably even been praying for years to see those things come into fruition. So earnest prayer 
it's not a prayer where you're sending someone an SMS saying, oh, please pray for me. I'm in a desperate situation. I need the Lord to come through. And you're like, oh, okay, I yeah, know I'll pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, just come through for you. love her, Daddy. Amen. That's a good prayer. But how many of us know that these spiritual forces that Paul was talking about, sometimes they are resisting breakthrough and we need to rise up and we actually really need to pray seriously like these guys were praying for, for Peter. In fact, I'm reminded of Daniel. Um, Daniel was another man who was seeking the face of God on behalf of a vision that he had received and he couldn't quite understand. And he was saying, God, please show me, give me an answer, you know. And he decided to humble himself before the Lord to get his answer. And he was just praying. He didn't use lotions. He didn't eat choice food. And, 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 and it said for about for 21 days, he was seeking the Lord to get an answer. And eventually the angel came to him with an answer. And, and this is where the angel said, the, the angel said, Daniel, from the first day, you decided to seek God for an answer. He, I was already coming to you. I was already released to come and give you an answer. But the prince of Persia, there was some demonic principality there in the heavenlies that was resisting the angel that was supposed to bring the message to Daniel. And, and he said, this guy resisted me for tw about 21 days. He had to fight against this principality. You know, there's war in the heavenlies until Michael actually had to come to the rescue of this angel. And you know, sometimes when we're praying, we don't know what's happening in the spiritual realm, but we need to be sure that there is a shift happening in the spiritual realm and we shouldn't give up until we get the answer that we're seeking God for. And you know, and, and that's why it's important to know, to understand that prayer is, is a place of fellowship. As you're fellowshipping with God, as you're praying, as you're crying out to him, he will always give an answer. Sometimes the answer will be what you're crying out for. Sometimes you'll say, no, no, my son or my daughter, you're not ready for that yet. Or sometimes you'll say, no, your focus is on the wrong thing. Focus in this direction. But answer, he will answer because we serve a God that answers prayer. We do not serve a God that's mute. We are not serving a God that, 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 that is deaf. He hears from heaven and he listens to our prayers and he answers those prayers. Okay? So it's really important to, to take note of that and to know that we don't always, we, we, we need to understand that sometimes we have to pray longer than we think we are going to pray for. It, it is just like that. Yeah. I was, I was watching this uh, clip about a man that was talking about how he, 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 he prays for, 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 for he, uh, dead people to come alive. Basically he trusts God for the resurrection of the dead. And I was like, wow, I want to see how he does that because now I'm curious, how does he do it? Does he lay hands? Does he, you know, how does he do it? And he said, they pray for three to five hours. The one child they were praying for, they prayed. After four hours, they started seeing something happening and the child came alive. And I was listening and I was like, what? Oh my goodness. Here we pray for stuff for 30 minutes, five minutes, and we're expecting God to move and we get frustrated because I've been praying for a, for a week for 30 minutes and I'm not seeing anything. And here is a man that is praying for a life, somebody to come alive, and he's praying for four hours, five hours to see something happen. That is what praying earnestly is. And you know, sometimes when we want to see a shift, when we want to see things changing in our own personal lives, in the lives of our families, in, in our nations, we have to be persistent in prayer 
and we have to pray longer than we think it's going to take. Um, and so it's really important to know that. And here we see the church, it's a corporate, it's a gathering of people that are praying together earnestly for God to come through. And you know, there are times when you pray alone and God will come through, but there are times when you need somebody else to help you, to pray with you, to be able to see that breakthrough. In Matthew 18, verse 19 to 20, the word of God says, Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. Two or three coming together in the name of the Father, agreeing upon something, there I am with, with them. Okay, That's why we believe in corporate prayer. You know, nowadays, I don't know why uh, Christians think it's, it's just my relationship with God. It's me and God. I'm praying for the things that I'm trusting God for, and it's just me and God. Okay, but you know, this God that you're praying to is actually a God that believes in community. There is a time to pray alone, but there is a time to hold the hand of a brother or a sister for you to be able to get breakthrough. And that is just how God made it, because he doesn't want us to get to that place where we think it's just going to be me and God. I am... I am um, independent. I don't need anyone else in my life. No, God is a God of fellowship. He's a God of fellowship. He wants us to fellowship with him, but he also wants us to fellowship with one another. And, and we fellowship with one, one another even through prayer. So, so here we see a church that is earnestly praying, crying out to God for breakthrough for Peter's life. Yeah? And God moves miraculously. God comes through for them miraculously. They did not expect this, but guess what? It actually happened. Peter, the night before, imagine, God shows up just on time. The night before he's supposed to appear for his trial, huh? he's, he's lying between two soldiers in his cell. His hands are chained. And by the entrance of, of the cell, there are soldiers there, and, and I'm sure there's soldiers surrounding the whole place because this king is not going to make a mistake this time around. They've seen what happened with Jesus, you know, with two soldiers at the tomb sealed and the man disappeared. So with Peter, they were not going to take any chances. They made sure he's bound. He's sleeping between two soldiers, and there's soldiers everywhere to, to make sure that this guy does not escape. Nobody's going to steal this one, okay? And what happens? While he is asleep, an angel of the Lord appears, strikes him on his side to wake him up and says, wake up. And as he wakes up, his chains fall off. And the angel says, get dressed, take your cloak, follow me. Yeah. So the light came into that cell. The angel woke Peter up, told Peter to get ready and led Peter out of that prison cell. Now that is a miracle. That is a miracle. It's, it's so powerful that while Peter was going through this, he wasn't so sure whether he's really, is what he's experiencing is real or it's a vision. He thought he's in a vision. So he's, he's following this angel. He's following what's happening. And then the word of God says, and then later he came to himself. When he came to himself, which means he kind of woke up, he came, came kind of, he's there and he realizes, oh my goodness. This is actually real. 
I'm out of prison. The Lord has just delivered me from the clutches of King Herod and from what the Jewish people were hoping would happen to me. God has led me out of this place. And we see how, how the victory has taken place in Peter's life. And this is so powerful. This is so powerful. Because what's even interesting to see is later on, if you read the, the rest of that text, is that Peter ended up going to the house where there were Christians that were praying for him. Um, I think it was the house of Mary, yeah. He went there, he knocked on the door, and the person that opened the door was so shocked that she closed the door and ran back inside and told everybody, oh, Peter is at the door. And guess what? These are people that were just praying for the release of Peter. They hear Peter is at the door, they're like, no way. That can't be Peter. Remember, he's in prison. It must be his angel, yeah? But then when they open, Peter keeps knocking, and when he comes in, they realize this is truly Peter. This is a miracle. The various people that were praying earnestly, trusting God to see Peter being released from prison are now shocked that he's actually released. Have you found yourself doing that at times? You're praying and crying out to God for breakthrough, and you're crying, and you're saying, oh, God, I need you. You're desperately wanting to see a shift in your nation or in your in your workplace or wherever it is that you want to see. And when it happens, you are so shocked and you're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this. I can't believe this just happened. It didn't happen. Yes, it did. Wow, God just did it. Yes, he did it because you prayed. When you were praying, were you expecting an answer from God or were you just doing it because it's what we do as Christians? So we shouldn't be shocked when God answers. We shouldn't be shocked when we see things happening when we pray because prayer is a vehicle of change. It is an agent of change. It is what God has given us to usher in his presence, his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So friends, prayer is a powerful tool. It is so powerful. It has the power to change individuals. It has the power to change your family to change that boss that you don't like, to change that person that's making your life hell. The word of God says the hearts of kings and rulers are in God's hand. When we pray, we see changes happening. Um, and and it, has, it has power to change entire cities and nations. But we need to engage in it. It's not, we're not going to see the change that we want to see as Christians if we are, are just sitting down and hoping it happens. You know, there's some people right now that they're just saying, oh, the world is just, just getting worse and things are getting worse. But what are the promises of God in his Bible? What is he saying for us as he says? Yeah. Is wherever you are, is that place different because of your presence? Because you're praying. You're praying, you're ushering in God's kingdom in that place. Because that is what God expects. God wants us as his children, here on earth, we are agents of change. And the way we, we usher in that change, we bring that change in, is primarily through prayer. I know some people don't like to, uh, praying too much. and say, oh, these Christians, they just want to pray, 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 pray. You need to pray and act. Yes. Yeah? Action is important. But the action comes out of prayer, my friend. Because when you pray, you get the direction that you need from that place of praying. Amen. Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence, is what Charles Spurgeon said. 
a slender nerve, something that maybe seems so small, that may seem so insignificant, but man, it has the power to change people, nations, and situations beyond what we can ever imagine. Why? Because this is how God has chosen to do it. The earth he has given to us. The earth he has given to us. And when we want to see change, we have to invite God into situations. We have to pray. That is how he, he wants things to happen. He wants to partner with us. He wants to move with us. He wants us to say, God, we need you in this situation. Come through for us. And when we do that, we see the change that we're expecting and that we want to see. And, you know, sometimes when, 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 you, when you pray to see change, you literally have to. Sometimes it will make you look crazy, <laughs> you know, when you're engaging God on that level and he's saying, I'm not going to stay silent until I, say until I see change. We see this with Hannah in the Bible. She was trusting God for a child. She was trusting God for the child. She went into that temple. She was speaking out prayers before the Lord. The priest thought she is drunk. Yeah? And she said, no, I'm not drunk. I'm just in anguish here. I'm trusting God. You know, when we earnestly pray, God moves. God moves. There is a shift in the spiritual atmosphere that happens, and God moves beyond what we could ever imagine. And and, and, and that's why, like, looking at the past two years, just what has been happening in this world, there's a lot of crazy stuff that's happening. Things coming to the surface. We're battling with this pandemic. People are losing their jobs. People uh, are trusting God for impossible, impossible situations. But the Word of God says what is impossible with man is possible with God. And believe me, when God moves, it has nothing to do with what's happening around you. The kingdom of God is not determined by the circumstances that we find ourselves in. When we're engaging God, we're focused on him, we're standing on his promises, he answers, he comes through, irregardless of the situation and the circumstances that we're faced by. Why? Because he is above what, what's happening here. He is transcendent. And the power of God transcends all impossible situations and brings changes in our lives. And so we really need to trust God to be people that can usher in the presence of God, that can usher in the kingdom of God and keep praying and keep praying and pray until we see change. And as we conclude, I want to leave us just with four keys that are important when we're using prayer as a change agent, when we're praying for change, the first thing is to know God's word and his promises. We have, prayer is not a magic wand. It's not name it and claim it and just know. The word of God clearly says you have not for you do not ask. And when you ask, you ask with selfish ambition. So we need to know God's will. We need to understand that when we're praying, we're praying from the heart of the Father based on his promises that he has already given us in his word. And then we have to pray with faith. Yeah? And we have to pray earnestly and persistently. Don't give up until God answers. And then it's also important to pray with someone. Sometimes you pray alone. Sometimes you pray with a friend. And, but, and let me just say this. When it comes to praying with people, 
It's not the number of people that is important, but the faith that they carry that is important. Yeah? So as we are in this time, let us, I just want to encourage us, let us continue to pray and let us not give up hope. And let us know that prayer is a weapon that God has given us. We've been coming um, together as, as pastors. We decided, you know, this, this pandemic thing in Namibia making news headlines, yeah, international headlines because of COVID. People are dying. The situation is so bad in Namibia. And, and, and we, just, uh, we just thought this is not on. This is not on. We need to pray against this thing. Pastors started taking groups of people to hospitals and praying for healing. We've got 24-7 Zoom prayer meetings. And it's not about 100 people being on there. It's about having somebody praying every hour to see change. And in history, every time major change came in from the abolition of slavery to, to a, a whole lot of things that we can remember Christians um, standing up against, it was ushered in through people that were standing and praying on the sides and saying, God, we're trusting you for change. And that is exactly what we've been doing for this nation. And what a joy to see that the numbers are coming down. What a joy to get testimonies and SMSs coming in where people are saying people are being healed now. Uh, the wards are, are, are becoming emptier. And there's just the atmosphere has changed and things are looking better. And that is what we want to see, you know. We want to see our nation making international headlines because of great stuff. Not things like, not demonic things, not, not the oppression of the enemy. God's heart is for nations to prosper, is for people to prosper, is for people to live in that place of freedom and not bondage. Okay, So let us be encouraged to stand up, to rise up, and be people that pray for the kingdom of God. Um, and I want to close in prayer, but before I close, I want to read this quote by Cory Ten Boom, 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 where she says, When a Christian shuns, shuns fellowship with other Christians, the devil smiles. When he stops reading the Bible, the devil laughs. When he stops praying, the devil shouts for joy. Why? Because he knows it's a powerless Christian. They're not doing what God has called them to do. So, friends, Prayer is a powerful change agent. Let us not become tired. Let us not become weary. Let us not give up. But let us continue standing and trusting God earnestly like this church was praying to see Peter being set free. Let us continue to pray for our families, to pray for our nation, to pray for ourselves, and to see that which God has promised come to fruition in these areas. Amen. I want to pray for us this morning. Father, we just want to thank you so much for your word. We want to thank you that you have empowered us here on earth through prayer, Lord Jesus. We want to thank you that you've called us to stand in the gap. You have called us to pray, oh Father God. And as we pray, you answer prayer, Father God. We want to thank you, Lord Jesus, that you, that, you, that you want us to stand up in authority, to rise up and begin to declare the promises that you've given us over our lives, over the fam our families, and over this nation, oh Father God. And therefore, this morning, I just want to bring any person before you, Father God, that is struggling in the area of prayer, that is struggling, oh Father God, with apathy, Father. I pray right now for a stirring 
an awakening in their spirit, a quickening, oh Father God, to rise up and pray, to seek your face, oh Father God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that where there's hopelessness, oh Father God, because of, 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 of trusting you for breakthrough and things that haven't been seen happening, Father God, we thank you that you will answer, even as you've answered so many prayers already, testimonies that have been coming through about your goodness, about your provision, about your healing. Lord, we pray that you continue to heal, you continue to provide, you continue to change hearts, you continue to move in this nation and in the, in the lives of our people, Father God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you and we praise you for that, Lord. Amen. Amen. And God bless you. And remember, tomorrow is Monday. It's a day of praying together corporately as a church and fasting together. So see you at corporate prayer at 5.30. Um, please try uh, by all means to make your way there because we want to pray together. I, I really just want to encourage us to be in that place where we hunger to pray together as a church. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.